Welcome to the Joe Momo Presents Calgary Leader Series. And we are live. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Welcome, Joe. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well, quite well. Trying to keep warm. Uh, It dumped uh, some snow on us uh, over the weekend, but uh, I can't complain. I'm happy to have you on the podcast. Um, Obviously, obviously you have 25 years of uh, serial entrepreneurship experience. Um, Quite, quite savvy in biz dev. But before I get into all of that, perhaps give us a little backstory, kind of your origin story, who Jeff is. (laughs) Uh, So my origin story, I'm born and bred in Calgary. So one of the the few, it seems, uh, of my era anyway, that's still around. Uh, I did go uh, through the whole normal public school system here in Calgary and then uh, went to the University of Calgary. I actually did two degrees, a bachelor's and a master's degree in electrical engineering. Uh, So I started out as a technology professional, I guess, if you want to call it that, Uh, and then moved from here to Vancouver, actually, which is where I started really in my professional career. So working for a company called uh, MDA or McDonald Detweiler Associates, uh, doing things like satellite ground stations and air traffic control systems and sonar systems for mapping the ocean floor and all kind of these cool big systems engineering type projects. So so that was my my origin into the tech industry was through that avenue. That's awesome. And Currently, you're the president at VizWorks. Um, mm. Kind of walk me through how that kind of came to be. I'm always interested in that in the yeah, <laughs> entrepreneur yeah. story. Uh, so, yeah, so that one actually goes back uh, quite a few years. So I was actually uh, in the telecom industry uh, kind of pre-2000 era before the whole dot-com bubble burst. And when that whole thing collapsed, the telecom industry went down with it. And it went from an industry in which you know, anybody who was living or breathing got a job to a few, you know, one of thousands of resumes for any posting that went out there. And, and I, I kind of looked at that and said, okay, now's the time for me to kind of refocus in a different area. And I went back to university to pursue a degree in bio nanotechnology, studying respiratory pathogen diagnostics, uh, actually right around the time of SARS. So this is kind of this time period right now is kind of an interesting uh, recap of what was going on at the time of SARS. So uh, anyway, all sorts of things happened, including a, a company that I started with a friend of mine. He got quite ill, so I had to go back and, and run that company for a while. So all sorts of things happened. And I never actually finished up the degree program. But ultimately, after a few years of different things, I ended up working for a cross-Canada research network headquartered at the University of Calgary, focused on this whole area of human engagement with digital data. Uh, and it was in particularly around this, uh, you know, applications, things like touchscreen technologies and so on. Uh, and I joined them with the sole purpose of really helping manage this whole research network, but also finding interesting ideas that we could spin into new companies. Uh, and so VizWorks as a company basically came out of that. Uh, it wasn't spun around a specific technology, but it was really spun around the recognition that there was a challenge. There was a lot of great ideas being generated, but a very difficult mechanism to move them into practice. Uh, and so VizWorks was spun originally to be that kind of entity or that vehicle that could really help uh, migrate ideas into commercial products. Uh, and, and in practice, what we ended up doing, of course, uh, because nobody necessarily pays you to do that kind of work, uh, and, and until you've actually got something out of the endpoint of it. So, the, so in the meantime, what we ended up doing is a lot of consulting work, uh, developing custom solutions with the, the expertise that we gain under you know, understanding of these advanced technologies and how they could be applied to, to really make data accessible. Uh, and so that's where our origin really came from was around this whole idea of custom solutions development, which is what's generated the, the company that we have today, which is a blend between 
kind of three areas really. This is the whole you know unique product solution space where we're develop we're working with a client and, and developing something unique to to meet their specific business needs through the applications of a variety of advanced technologies like augmented and virtual reality and artificial intelligence and data viz and kind of all the kind of soup to nuts of, of cool tech. But uh, but the focus is really on solving these kind of core business problems. Uh, we also work as a technology outsource partner, so we we kind of partner together companies for a longer period of time, either jointly developing technology or developing technologies that meet their specific ongoing business needs. Uh, and then the third leg of the stool is really on the product incubation side, where, where we started from. And so as we generate ideas that have really strong business traction that are broader than a single organization, then we focus that into a product development process uh, and ultimately spin that into a new company uh, and one of which we just actually did recently so so this is the kind of the origin of bizworks and, and where we're going now today well that's that's awesome uh yeah i saw the insureworks uh, one of the spin-offs that uh, recently that's the one exactly yeah yeah um, i'm always curious though you have such a such a immaculate career if you will but um growing up as a kid were you always into entrepreneurship or business or how do you kind of fall into this crazy roller coaster of entrepreneurship yeah so i wouldn't say it was as a kid into entrepreneurship i was i was certainly into technology though and and my mother will probably tell you that it took apart a few appliances <laughs> but I, I put them back together they worked afterwards so <laughs> um so you know so I, I certainly and I, I got into the habit of kind of you know how do I say this asking the question of why why are things made the way they are and there's our ways to make them better uh, and that was both the origins of my engineering relationship with technology, but also my entrepreneurial relationship with technology. Because uh, ultimately, if you keep asking the question of, you know, how can I make things better, uh, the solution isn't always technical. Uh, it's often a combination of technology and business and, 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 and understanding the marketplace and all the rest of it. And so, although my origins were really more on the technology side in terms of where I came from, and ultimately gravitated towards, you know, this has to be a business solution to this, which is where I got into the entrepreneurship side of it. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's awesome. For, for kind of our listeners, I mentioned that we have a bunch of uh, aspiring entrepreneurs, or even entrepreneurs themselves, but what's maybe a key piece of advice um, to somebody wanting to start a tech uh, startup or start their own mm. business? <laughs> Do it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, the first thing is, uh, you know, take a chance and do it. Um, now, depending upon how strong your idea is, uh, you have to really validate it. And, and this is a key thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs um, perhaps uh, we tend to jump into trying to solve the problem before we really understand what the problem is. Uh, and so I think one of the key things for a lot of entrepreneurs is that it's great. Have that enthusiasm, have that interest, really go for it, but validate it. Make sure that what you're doing actually has somebody who cares about it, because if it doesn't, you're going to spend a lot, a lot of time developing a solution that's in search of a problem, which we see all too often in the tech industry. Absolutely. And one of the articles I actually read uh, of yours uh, was about the new normal. Um, obviously, we're going through a pandemic, and I'm just curious, what's what's kind of been some of the challenges for you um, through the last six, seven, eight months? Two months, yeah. Uh, so, like a lot of organizations, we ended up going uh, into a full work from home environment. Uh, we were fortunate as an organization that we were already well structured to do that. Uh, it literally was pick up your laptop, go home, <laughs> and, and start working. And, and 
as complicated as it was essentially. I mean, it took us probably half a day to a day to really adjust to being working from home versus out of an office. Uh, now, we've obviously got better over time. We've learned some of the synergies of how we work together. You, you can't just look over your shoulder and talk to the person next to you now. So, that, so some of the tools and so on we've had to adopt along the way, but, but we had a relatively good structure to do that. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the case for all of our clients, however, and, and that's one of the biggest impacts we had initially was a lot of our clients just basically put on pause everything they were doing as they tried to digest the consequences of this whole COVID-19 and what it meant to their business. Uh, so from a business perspective, we had a, a fairly significant hit initially with our clients kind of pulling back and saying, okay, uh, we, we need to take some time to figure this out. Uh, but now we're on the opposite end of that spectrum and, and people are recognizing that, you know, digital technologies and, and remote engagement and, and new ways of looking at data that don't require the, the massive amount of people on site to do it. Uh, these are critical to the future of, of industrial, which is where we really focus. Uh, and so our, our business has just increased dramatically as a result of that. So we've been hiring people through through the whole COVID period. And uh, and in fact, that's that's had its own interest. And in fact, I was talking to uh, one of our senior project managers the other day, and he was saying that one of the people we hired, I think it was four months or so ago, uh, he met him for the first time in person uh, last week. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it sounds. You know, like... and this is the new normal, right? You know, from yeah. from that perspective of uh, of where things are going from a business perspective, and and this, the consequences of that are, are multiple. So one of them is certainly that you know we're providing our staff with the flexibility that well, if you don't want to live in Calgary, that's okay. You know, where where do you want to live? You're still part of the team, and we still love to have you part of the team, and you can live wherever you want to live that makes sense for you and your family, right? Um, and, and the reverse side of it is also that as we hire new people, we don't necessarily have to look at the Calgary marketplace. Uh, I'm born and bred here. I love to do that and I want to support the Calgary ecosystem. And so the more we can support Calgary and, and Alberta in general, of course, we want to do that. But we're not restricted to that any longer. We have the ability, if we can't find anybody locally, to look elsewhere as well. Absolutely. And speaking of the Calgary ecosystem, you, you mentioned you're born and bred in Calgary. Um, so from your perspective, Jeff, how is... Calgary changed from when you first started to, to where you are today? <laughs> well, maybe a few more people. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think I can remember how many people there were when I, uh, oh, back in the 80s. I mean, it was probably maybe a quarter million, maybe half a million people. We're now, I don't know where we're at, 1.3, 1. something million people. So certainly the number of people in Calgary has increased significantly, uh, which has all sorts of, as you might expect, of course, infrastructure related changes that come along with that, including the just the road systems and the and the, the, the volume of things you can do in a city like this. It's a much bigger city. There's, there's much more cosmopolitan nature of the city, certainly than it was back when I started. And, you know, and it's, it's just, it's evolved accordingly. And, and I think it's been great. You know, one of the key things, and, and I, I talk about this uh, on a regular basis is, you know, diversity is a, as a value to us. Uh, diversity of perspective, diversity of opinions, diversity of, of thought processes. This helps with creativity. This helps us do things that other people are not capable of doing. And so uh, with a larger city comes that opportunity to have a more diverse workforce and, and the benefits that come from that. Absolutely. I love that. And speaking of um, just, diverse skill sets for, for you personally, um, what have been, I guess, what is your main unique superpower, if you will, that's helped you become so successful? Uh, perseverance, <laughs> patience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, it was an interesting uh, uh, mention the other day is that, you know, uh, 
it, it, you see you know, the successful businesses and you say, wow, that's great. How did they manage to do that? You know, where were they a year ago? I never heard about them. Now they're this massive success. Well, generally speaking, there was an awful lot of time period of, you know, not visible work that's going on before they get to that success point. And perseverance is a really key aspect of any entrepreneur. Uh, and then on top of that is adaptability and, and the ability to, to kind of adjust and, and, and refocus where you're going as conditions change. Uh, we had uh, one example back in 2014. We were, we're actually relatively strong back in 2014. We, we started in 2012. So we were actually starting to do really well. We we're starting to grow. Uh, and we had uh, projects, I can't remember how projects that, but a few different projects in, in different areas. We thought we were in unrelated areas. Well, as it turned out, they were all related directly or indirectly to the oil and gas industry because when the downturn hit, uh, our market for what we were doing immediately dried up. Uh, so, you know, so that was a massive pivot we had to go through and essentially we, I had to do a lot of personal investment in the company. We had to re, you know, refocus where we're going as a company. Uh, we made a number of mistakes along the way as, as uh, anyone, anyone does. Um, but ultimately came out of that much stronger and, and, and kind of learned the lesson that, uh, you know, we need to be diverse. We need to actually focus on a variety of different opportunities in a variety of different spaces. Uh, within balance, because if you're too diverse and, you know, it's difficult to actually run a company. Um, so it's this balance between diversity and, uh, and focus that we've tried to achieve as a result of that whole thing. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned um, just a diverse skill set again. Um, what's, what's, what were some of the resources that's helped you along the way? Um, some people say it's um, books, mentors, things they've listened to, but for you personally, what's something that's really um, helped you uh, uh, in your journey? Uh, listening. Mm. You know, everybody has a story, everybody has an experience and, you know, being willing and open to listening to what other people have to say and, and being able to take the things out of that that are relevant to you, I think is a key skill set if you really want to learn and adapt. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one, one of the quotes I heard was, uh, it's more important to be, to be interested than interesting and just really listening and um, hearing the other side and being engaged. Um, it's, it's something I hold dear to my heart as well. So <laughs> that's good yeah. to hear. Well, and, and we've managed to build up an amazing team of people in the company and, you know, and, and they do things that there's no way that I have any, you know, the detailed knowledge to be able to do, but we're all kind of working together as a team, as a cohesive family to accomplish the, a much bigger thing. And, and that is it's tremendously important, that kind of team you build around you and the ability to, to be open and free and listening and learning from each other is, is key to, to the success. So. Absolutely. And what would you say is maybe a one common myth about, um, starting a business or entrepreneurship or tech in general that you wish would be debunked? Common myth. Um, that it's, you know, well, one common myth, I suppose, is that, uh, you know, you're going to know better than any consumer. So therefore you should just go down the, the road of building something. And, and once you build it, they'll buy it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, we see, I see this. And again, it comes back to the thing we talked about earlier, right? This, this idea of, I'm going to create a solution. And once I've got the solution, everybody wants it. Well, unless you've actually validated that with the market need, generally speaking, nobody wants it or very few people want it. It's certainly not enough to actually build your business around. So this, this myth that, you know, persists around, you know, what Apple in theory did, which is, you know, create this new market that never exists because they didn't believe in anybody. 
sure there may be some rare examples where that occurred although i would say within apple there's probably a lot of the good behind the scenes that nobody actually sees uh, but the reality is if you want to be successful the, the easiest path to do that is find something that people care about that's a pain point for somebody and solve that that's a business opportunity just generating some cool tech for the sake of cool tech that's fun but it doesn't necessarily generate a business yeah absolutely i think that's really important so i just want to drill down a little bit more because yeah, a lot of a lot of peers I talk to, it's always build it and they'll they'll come. But you have to validate your your product or service. Um, for your perspective, how how would you go about validating your product or service? So in our case, the work we do uh, on the what I would call the more custom solution side of it is all driven around solving client needs. Uh, so everything's being validated because somebody's literally paying us to solve their problem. Uh, so, so that's kind of the core of it. And then if we do get into a product development, that product development has already gone through that crucible of, you know, working with clients and understanding their business needs before we get to the decision that, yes, this is something worth actually putting effort in developing as a product. Sure. So it's, it's, it is, it's just the way we do it, the way the business is structured. It's all built around addressing business needs. Absolutely. What, what's, what's something that Jeff is curious about right now? It could be personally, it could be professionally, but what's, what's something that's really on your mind? Uh, I'm curious about how the travel industry is going to evolve. Mm -hmm. The, uh, you know, it's been massively hit as, as we all know, with regards to what's going on in the last number of months. And, uh, and, you know, as an industry, as a, as a source of, of revenues for, for a number of economies around the world where tourism was the major source of income for the local people, uh, this has had a massive global negative impact on a lot of, of peoples and uh, and there's there's all sorts of consequences to this and I, I really want to see how this is going to evolve over time because we need to maybe not go quite as extreme as we used to have with regards to the travel industry because it was actually having some negative impacts of course uh, but there's also some very positive aspects to the industry if we do it right uh, and you know and I've seen this experience where um, local people who um, need to live need to put food on the plate, so to speak, uh, are doing things to the local environments, which are counterproductive, which are actually destroying the local environments. Uh, but tourism actually could be a source of income, which allow them not to actually have these negative environmental consequences to local environments. Uh, that's all gone away now. So my concern is that there's going to be some negative environmental consequences in those regions where those kind of things were occurring. Uh, I'm, I'm a scuba diver as well. I, I'm an underwater photographer. And so I've, I've taken tremendous number of photos and gone to a lot of places around the world to, to see what's going on under the water. And, and I've seen the consequences of good environmental practices and bad environmental practices. And unfortunately, a lot of the bad environmental practices are driven by local economic conditions. Uh, and so, you know, so my hope is that these good environmental practices will start to become, a, you know, a good thing again, uh, once we can figure out how the travel industry can support it. Mm, absolutely. What's maybe one question that you never get asked that you wish you, you would be asked? <laughs> never get asked. Um, I can ask all sorts of questions. <laughs> I don't know of any that I haven't been asked for a while. <laughs> okay, maybe what's, what's maybe... What's something that you're proud of that we haven't touched on in the interview so far? Uh, family. Mm. You know, I, I have a wonderful wife and a wonderful son. Uh, he's just going to preschool now. So it's a, a whole new adventure seeing the world through his eyes. And, uh, you know, I'm very proud of, of uh, having such a wonderful family. It's 
it's uh, it's something that you know, and, and actually during COVID nineteen, that that's been one of the wonderful things as a kind of a side effect is we've had more time spending together. Uh, wrinkles, uh, warts and wrinkles and all, so to speak. You know, it's not always the fun uh, in terms of trying to prioritize things with a four year old, but he's been amazing and my wife's been amazing, and so so that I think is really a great thing that's happened and something I'm very proud of. Oh, that's that's awesome. I love that. Uh, speaking speaking of COVID nineteen and working from home. Um, how do you how do you manage the balance work life balance with uh, working from home and running a business and just trying to balance family and personal time? Uh, yeah, balance is thrown out the window, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this is actually part of the challenge we have right now is that the, the classical barriers we had between work and, and family life, uh, as slim as they are as an entrepreneur, because typically as an entrepreneur there really isn't a lot of difference between them, uh, have completely been wiped out during COVID nineteen, and so. You know, so my 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 day is basically, you know, family when family is there and when family's not there, it's work. And and this is, you know, it's kind of a fluid kind of mix of the two things these days. Uh, would I like to get back to a point where there's some kind of balance? Absolutely. But uh, and, and at this point in time, that's just the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. You just have to adjust. The it. Yeah. Yeah. Best of it. Yeah. Just. <laughs> um, so what's what's next for Jeff? What's what's what does the future have in store for Jeff? <laughs> Uh, hopefully back to some scuba diving and our photography someday, but we'll see. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I mean, the big thing for me really is that we're going to continue this path that BizWorks has created. Uh, we spun out uh, you know, this subsidiary in SureWorks uh, just a month or so ago, uh, really focused on one of the products that we've been developing together with a number of clients. Um, that's an example of a highly scalable product that we are going to accelerate and move forward. Uh, we're already in the process of developing our next product uh, that's going to be also spun out at some point in the future. Uh, so really, we've, we've proven out the model now that we've been building over the last number of years. And uh, kind of the biggest thing going forward is just to continue to start executing and growing that. Uh, we are already exploring international and, and, uh, and starting to look at setting up businesses in a variety of regions around the world. Uh, we're looking at expanding our whole business development structure so that we can support that. Uh, it's, you know, and, and the development structure that sits underneath it. So it's really this kind of evolution of the company that we built. Uh, we're into this next phase of that evolution right now. Absolutely. And I, I look forward to seeing what you guys continue to build and I, I love to see, um, what the future has in store for you, Jeff. I think what you guys are doing is awesome stuff and uh, I, ho I hope we can uh, stay connected. Um, I have a couple more questions here for you. Uh, for sure. Where can listeners connect with you online if you have more questions, just want to pick your brain. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, so <laughs> the standard thing. So please feel free to reach out on LinkedIn if you want to. Awesome. I'll put your uh, LinkedIn uh, link in the description of the podcast so that they can reach out Perfect. to you. Um, yeah. I'd love to end the podcast with the guessing uh, question quote or a story to end the interview. So my last question to you, Jeff, do you have a question, quote, or a story uh, for the listeners to end the interview? Uh, well, actually, for sure. And I actually reaches back to one of the things we talked about previously um, was some, you know, what I've been reading lately. And there was a very interesting article I read uh, lately that talked about uh, we should be, instead of looking for unicorns, we should be looking for camels. Uh, and the essence of that is that unicorns are wonderful, but these massive scalable businesses are very challenging to actually accomplish. And, you know, we've got an entire ecosystem, particularly in the Valley, that's really structured around generating and, and you know, and accelerating unicorns. 
the reality today is survival trumps this whole accelerated model. And so camels by nature are extremely resilient. They can live for long periods of time with you know, no water and, and so forth uh, because they're really designed to be resilient and to progress over a longer period of time. And the successful businesses today have to kind of adapt that model for the most part. Uh, sure, there's still going to be some unicorns out there, but I think those are by and large the exception and always will be the exception. The companies that are really going to make a difference in the world are ones that are built around a solid business foundation, really solving and getting paid to solve things that people care about um, and really kind of built for the long run, uh, not for this kind of quick exit type of structure that a unicorn is really built around. So to me, if you're, if you're looking at building a business nowadays, look at building a camel. Uh, you know, really look at this idea of a long, resilient pathway. And so, so there's a great article that came out. I, I, I can give you the reference if I can find it. But there was a great article that came out re recently that just kind of talked about it. A very short article, but it was really going to really make you really rethink about, okay, what is the purpose of starting a business and how am I going to grow it? So.